The theme of this week, and really the last few years, is the Republican Party's a mess and things just keep getting messier. So before I jump into the latest reporting that reveals Kevin McCarthy may have a dirty little secret that could get exposed in this whole Republican civil war, let me summarize uh, what the latest debacle was between Burchett and McCarthy. So a Republican congressman named Tim Burchett or Burchett, I never know exactly which one to use, voted to oust Kevin McCarthy and was apparently over the weekend also speaking somewhere, really going after McCarthy. So this week, Burchett was standing in a hallway being interviewed by an NPR reporter and Kevin McCarthy walked by. And while he was walking by, he took what was described as a clean shot to the kidneys of Tim Burchett. Boom, elbowed him right in the back as he was walking by. Tim Burchett obviously went, hey, why'd you do that? And then Kevin McCarthy acted like he didn't know what he was talking about. Here was some of the audio of the aftermath of the kidney shot. Yeah, I think it went all right. Yeah. Sorry, Kevin, didn't mean to elbow. Why'd you elbow me in the back, Kevin? Hey, Kevin, you got any guts? Jerk. Has he done that before? No. You got no guts. You did so. They sat there and the reporter said it right there. What kind of chicken move is that? You're you're pathetic, man. You are so pathetic. What a jerk. Okay, so very, very strange. As people have been saying, it's a very elementary school for that to be going on. Now, as I've said, I wouldn't trust Burchett's telling of the story, but the NPR reporter confirmed it actually was a noticeable, purposeful elbow to the back, so I believe it now. Well then, as the Daily Beast put it, the Burchett-McCarthy feud gets even weirder. And I'll read you some of this reporting. Representative Tim Burchett claims he's forgiven Representative Kevin McCarthy for allegedly shoving him on Tuesday, but the Tennessee Republicans' appearance on Newsmax the very next day suggests their beef is only getting more bizarre. The very same day Burchett went on Newsmax and openly plotted against McCarthy with host Robert Finnerty, as both suggested, Representative Nancy Mace has dirt against the lawmaker she'd like to use. Quote, he'll be messing in a lot of people like mine and Nancy Mace's campaigns, I'm sure, Burchett said. If he does that with Nancy Mace, she could come back at him with some stuff that he doesn't want out there in the public, I think, if you know what I'm saying. Finnerty, the Newsmax host, shot back. And then Burchett said, yeah, she's already told me, I hope he does that with me and she'll take care of him, Burchett claimed. Whoa. <laughs> so Kevin McCarthy has a secret. Nancy Mace may have to take care of him using it is what's being reported there. Not exactly clear what that means. I've heard people speculating it has to do with McCarthy's extramarital affairs. I typically try to stay out the best that I can of people's personal lives. So we'll leave the speculation there. But the notable part of this whole ordeal is that once again, more divisions are popping up within the Republican Party, which is good for the Democrats. So it's good to see because Kevin McCarthy and some of his allies do seem like they may try to unseat the people who voted to oust him and get their revenge. And if that happens, However much money was spent to do that is money being spent against Republicans and not against Democrats where it could be used, which I'm perfectly happy to see. By the way, it has been hilarious to watch Ken McCarthy just shamelessly deny that he did it. No one believes him. Here's another Republican congressman, Ken Buck, saying, 
oh, Kevin McCarthy's denying it? That's because he is to lying what peanut butter is to jelly. You, uh, you think he's lying, to be clear? Kevin McCarthy and lying are, are like peanut butter and jelly. Well, why do you think he's lying? I mean, why, why do you think in this case, and look, I will grant you this because the NPR reporter who was there said he walks by and I've been in that hallway. You're right. It is not that narrow uh, that you couldn't avoid a, a fellow congressman. She said that she saw Burchett, you know, sort of lunge forward and clearly he was shocked by what had happened. Um, why do you think Kevin McCarthy would do that and then insist, even in the face of having a reporter having been there and, and describing what happened, that he's insisting it didn't? Yeah, I, I don't know what goes through the mind of Kevin McCarthy. I know he doesn't want to take responsibility for the financial mess that we're in right now. I know he doesn't want to take responsibility uh, for pushing a, a congressman who voted against him in, in the motion to vacate. I think that Kevin McCarthy is, you know, obviously very upset still that, that he is not speaker. And uh, he is, you know, he doesn't hold any leadership position now. He is a, a, a rank and file congressman like, like me. Um, and it's got to be upsetting to him. And so he took it out in the way he took it out, and now he denies it. I, I don't know how to explain that to, to anybody. Oh, it's all so hilarious. What is going on in the Republican Party, I ask again. How often do we get these sorts of stories with Democrats? Like, never. You have Marjorie a few months ago calling Lauren the B-word. You got a Republican uh, being grabbed by the face during the speakership battle, the first one, so we didn't attack Matt Gates. You have Mark Wayne Mullen recently challenging Sean O'Brien to a fight. You got Kevin McCarthy elbowing Tim Burchett. It's a disaster. Then here was McCarthy after he was ousted responding to Burchett and May specifically voting uh, to oust him because they were some of the more surprising votes. Then it'll also show their responses. Again, this is back when it initially happened. Matt Gates, you've been mentioning a lot. How much would the Republican Party benefit if you were no longer a member of the House, in your opinion? Oh, tremendously. I mean, it, people have to earn the right to be here. And um, I just think from, I mean, he'll admit to you personally, is he doesn't have a conservative bent in his philosophy um, and just the nature of what he focuses on. Do you think the House GOP should consider expelling him? Look, that, that's up to the conference, but I mean, I don't believe the conference will ever heal if there's no consequences for the action. What about them surprised you, Burchett and Mace? It just didn't, it seemed out of nature, but they, they, they seem to have changed during the time. They care a lot about press, not about policy, and so they, they seem to just want the press and the mm -hmm. personality. Do you think Mace will have a difficult time winning re-election now? Yeah, I don't, well, not because of this. I mean, if you've watched her, just her philosophy and the flip-flopping, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't believe she wins re-election. I don't think she'll probably have earned the right to get re-elected. I right. think that you look at the district herself, yeah. He doesn't know my state, he doesn't know my district, and he doesn't represent the people that I represent. And I'm more popular today in my district than I ever have been. So because, of, because of that vote to oust him? Well, I just say because I am an independent voice. And this was a guy who lied all the time, like every day. I mean, he told uh, conservatives he was absolutely going to impeach Joe Biden. Two hours later, the same day, he told moderates that he would never impeach Joe Biden. A guy like that can't lead our country. And we've moved on to a much better speaker who's honest and trustworthy and is, and is going to tell the truth. He's angry, and, and I'm sure he'll be angry for the rest of his life. But um, I always, when 
people do something like he did, I always wonder why they don't look at themselves. It's always they're going to blame somebody else. So it does seem something's brewing. We'll see if the battle continues or if it sort of it chills out. But I really hope Kevin McCarthy tries to help unseat Nancy Mace specifically. I'd join him in that fight, both because she's incredibly dishonest and also because then maybe she'll reveal the dirt on Kevin McCarthy, which would be funny. Well, I have another banger for you from the Republican Accountability Project. This is just fun, you know, lift our spirits. It's an attack ad that in truly hilarious fashion mocks Donald Trump over him being the quote unquote biggest loser, which based on the national electoral results as of recently is a very real phenomenon. Now, what I want to do is first watch this video, which highlights his electoral losing streak. Then we'll look at a second video that emphasizes his losing record on a policy, specifically when you compare it to that of Joe Biden's. Here's this from the Republican Accountability Project. When Donald Trump ran for president, he promised there would be so much winning. Please, please, it's too much winning. But there was no winning. In fact, he's been the biggest loser. Congratulations, you are the biggest loser. In 2018, Trump caused Republicans to lose the House. Donald Trump was the biggest loser of the night. Trump was the biggest loser last night. I know he hates hearing that. Trump lost the presidency in 2020. Donald Trump's the loser. This is a resounding loss for him. In 2022, Trump's hand-picked candidates were defeated in key races across the country. The biggest loser tonight is Donald Trump. This man is a loser. He's the biggest loser in American politics. And this year, the GOP took losses in Ohio, Virginia, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania. The big losers are going to be Donald Trump. Donald Trump was the big loser. If the GOP wants to start winning elections again, they must move on from Donald Trump, who is, as we all know, say it with me, the biggest loser. Now, I think part of the reason why that's so funny is it gets at the core of Trump's insecurities. Trump hates nothing more than being called a loser or weak because his entire image is sold on the idea that he's a winner. And actually, before getting to the second video I mentioned uh, that we'll watch, here's Pod Save America making this point about how to mock Trump. I do think that reminding everyone what a f clown Donald Trump is, is actually effective. I think that uh, authoritarian leaders, fascists throughout history, they, they do not like to be made fun of. They do not like to be mocked. Donald Trump does not like to be mocked. And I think we need to get back to, like, he is an extremely scary demagogue, right? That we've said a million times, you got to take him seriously and literally. We've all seen it in action for four years. Guy tried Did you to over seriously and literally? Seriously and literally, yeah, we oh. all talked about that. He's, uh, you know, he, he tried to overturn the election, incited an insurrection, all of that, for sure. Second term would be f terrifying, but he's a clown. And it's so right. We, of course, can't downplay the danger that Trump poses to democracy and how serious that is. His authoritarian impulses and ambitions are very real, serious and dangerous. And also, yes, mocking his losing streak, mocking his brain glitches, whatever it might be. That's what gets under his skin and what could kind of shake his supporters a little bit because so much of their love for him and this cult of personality around him is premised on the idea that he's a strong man. He's a leader who can slap around other world leaders and crush the left in America. And when you point out that actually those branding things are not at all aligned with who he really is and his actual record, I think that's really effective. But of course, 
it's always important to get the conversation back to policy as well. And this video that was put out a while ago by the Biden campaign, but reposted recently, compares on one subject, the promises made by Trump to the actual accomplishments of Joe Biden. Infrastructure. Nobody can do that like me. The infrastructure is very easy. An infrastructure will get that done easily. We are going to put up one of the big and great infrastructure bills of all time. So we call it Infrastructure Week. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Bravo. So Trump promised and promised and promised to get an infrastructure bill passed that would be the most beautiful, strongest, and amazing infrastructure bill you've ever seen. Then it never actually happened. Whereas Biden, in an incredibly divided time, actually got a bipartisan infrastructure bill signed into law, a historic investment in infrastructure that will actually materially benefit people's lives. We're talking about, yes, roads and bridges, but also addressing the fact that millions of Americans don't have access to clean and reliable drinking water, investing in passenger rail, broadband, and so many different things. Incredible stuff. Here's a post on X from Biden celebrating the two-year anniversary of the law that was yesterday. He wrote, today marks two years since I signed the bipartisan infrastructure law. It's a once-in-a-generation investment in our roads, bridges, transportation, clean water systems, high-speed internet access, and it's creating good-paying union jobs you can raise a family on. And that's what politics should be about, a conversation about policy. But MAGA, unfortunately, so often forces it to be about something very different. And we rightfully have to talk about the stakes in this upcoming election being the health and stability of our democracy. So that has to be the focus. But if we could get past this era of MAGA, we could get back to more time being spent on things like this, criticizing leaders when they fail to follow through on campaign promises, giving leaders credit when they follow through on those promises with the good things and debating out what the best solutions to problems that we're facing are. Can you even imagine a fantasy world I'm living in? First, we have to convince, I don't know, 40% of the country that elections are being stolen. And no, it's not good to want Trump undemocratically installed as president despite losing an election. By the way, you can even go look at a map that the White House put together of all the different infrastructure projects I'll put up on screen. You can click on individual projects in any given state and see some specs on what's going on there, which is very interesting. And by the way, do me a favor, would you? And just stick around for this part of the discussion. I get it. We did the fun Trump ad, you know, the mocking of him, all that's great. But this stuff matters too. So I encourage you to Watch the more policy-oriented conversations as well. And on that note, here is Pete Buttigieg giving an update on the state of the rollout of the infrastructure law. So far, there are 37,000 infrastructure projects and counting across the nation benefiting from this legislation. Landmark projects like the Hudson River Tunnel between New York and New Jersey, or the Brent Spence Bridge in Kentucky and Ohio. Airport renovations from Alaska all the way to Key West, Florida. Supply chain advances from Tell City, Indiana to Fernley, Nevada. Some of these projects might not get national news, but to the people counting on them as they get to work every single day, these projects matter enormously. And Americans across the country are stepping up to make this a reality. This work is creating hundreds of thousands of good paying jobs at the local level. We have come a long way, but most of our work is still ahead of us. The work we're doing right now will ensure that the America we know, the America we love, will be even better for future generations. And for President Biden, and for this whole administration, it starts with delivering on the very basic thing, 
and make people's everyday life possible. And the great news is, we're just getting started. I've been talking a lot on The Bonus Show about this next point. You can get access to The Bonus Show at lukebeasleyshow.com slash membership. But I really think the media has failed in many ways in their coverage of the Biden administration. I've said this many times now. But just like how as progressive commentators or just any commentator, we have to be honest when Democrats fail or just people in power in general fail. We also have to be honest and tell it like it is when they get something right. And that's what I'm seeing too much of an absence of across a lot of the media. I think people are scared to come off as biased, which is fine. Not wanting to be biased is good, but that causes people to avoid going through accurately and honestly the achievements of the Biden administration and Democrats. So then you have this situation where on one side of the media spectrum, you have right-wing media pretending like Biden's a criminal, he's destroying the country. And on the other side, sort of this hesitance to just in a purely fact-based manner, repeatedly discuss some pretty notable achievements. And that leads to actually an inaccurate perspective on the part of Americans. And that's why I go through the list that I'm going to go through again here so often, so that at least my audience is armed with the facts about Biden's record. Because the infrastructure law is just one of the many massive achievements under Biden and the Democrats in the last few years. It really can be said, despite the nonstop right-wing messaging to the contrary, that on policy, Biden has been the most effective president in decades. Let's go through it again, just some of it. The largest investment in infrastructure since Eisenhower's highway program. The Inflation Reduction Act, which in that we see the largest investment in green energy in American history, making sure that we're a leader when it comes to that transition so that more jobs can be made in America and industries can thrive in that sector in America over the next decades, not to mention in favor of the health of our planet, plus Medicare, also in the Inflation Reduction Act, being able to negotiate drug prices for seniors, finally lowering those costs for seniors and capping the cost of insulin at $35 out of pocket per month. You have things like the PACT Act, expanding veterans' health care coverage, the Chips and Science Act, investing in American manufacturing. Of course, Biden ended America's longest war, something multiple presidents before him just couldn't summon the will to do because they knew it would be messy like it was. And they knew it would hurt whoever was the president at the time politically, but Biden got it done. A bunch of student debt relief, an incredible vaccine rollout that helped get things back to normal post the peak of the pandemic, the American Rescue Plan also allowing for that recovery to happen. And not to mention Biden's NLRB, what it's done for labor has been incredible. And the list just goes on and on. Those things matter. It matters that we got that instead of whatever the heck Trump would have done. And since I've done it multiple times in the last couple of weeks, I'm not going to go through the reasons certain democratic policies created a better economic situation than we would have otherwise experienced. But there is a solid record there as well. And I previously covered the polling that shows people disapproving way more of Biden before you walk through the specifics of his policy record. Then when you do, his approval swings in a positive direction. So clearly there is a media failure. If people aren't even hearing about the good side of the column. Fine to talk about the bad. I've said before, we didn't get things like paid family leave, universal pre-K, etc. And yes, there are concerns about Biden's age, but ignoring the good is just as dishonest as ignoring the bad. So I say all of that because when we're talking about 2024, remember that there is something to vote for, not just against. The Ethics Committee in the House of Representatives has released their long-awaited report on George Santos 
and it's pretty brutal. I got to tell you, we'll walk through some of what it reveals. We'll look at George Santos's crazy response to the report and how this may lead to finally the expulsion of George Santos and more. Before doing that, though, let me quickly remind you of who we're talking about. Okay, who is this person? There's a guy named George Santos. He ran for Congress in New York State in 2020 and 2022. In 2020, he lost. In 2022, he won. And shortly after he won in 2022, unfortunately, shortly after, not shortly before, he was exposed as a serial liar. He lied about his work history, educational history, history of philanthropy, the death of his mother, his family lineage. He even was accused of lying to a disabled veteran, raising money for the veteran's sick dog, then keeping the money, and the dog died. And the list just goes on and on. Then separate from the lies, or connected to it, but even worse, he also seemingly engaged in criminal behavior. He's been indicted on charges related to money laundering, wire fraud, defrauding the United States, identity theft, etc. And one of the big takeaways from this ethics committee report was the way he spent campaign cash in illegal ways. Some crazy details. One of the hilarious ones in the report is that they allege George Santos, and they have evidence of this, spent campaign cash on Botox and OnlyFans. Botox and OnlyFans. But I'm not going to say it. Uh, here's MSNBC breaking some of this down. Now to this breaking news, staying in Washington, the House Ethics Committee just released its report on indicted Congressman George Santos. And the big headline from this report is we're still going through it. They say that there is substantial evidence that Santos violated federal laws. Let's get right to NBC's Julie Serkin now on Capitol Hill for us. Julie, what else are you reading in this report? Well, look, this is the work of the committee that has been pouring over this topic, investigating Santos. And now we have this report just in a couple of minutes ago. Uh, they say that Santos blatantly stole from his campaign, spending campaign funds, according to this report, which we are just going through now on things like Botox, lavish trips to Atlantic City, on OnlyFans, on designer goods. I mean, really everything under the sun. He misappropriated official campaign funds, again, that were supposed to go to his campaign uh, for personal experience. Expenses. The committee is also saying that uh, Santos's conduct warrants public condemnation. They say it was beneath the dignity of the office and has brought severe discredit upon the House. I mean, really going through this report, they are all but recommending that Santos be expelled without really going that far. But the things they are alleging in here is certainly damning on us. This is crazy. Things don't look good for George Santos, I have to tell you. And how do you not feel bad? asking people as he did to believe in your vision of america okay and would you please five bucks ten bucks give to my campaign so i can benefit your life or bring forward our cause and then you know you're spending that money on just absurd personal reasons again botox and OnlyFans. if you're not familiar by the way OnlyFans is a subscription service for adult content you could say so people are giving to george santos Again, they're hard-earned cash because they believe in whatever, him promising to lower inflation or fight back against Biden. And then he spins it essentially to watch porn is what we're talking about here. That's how ridiculous this is. Now, his response on X is even more absurd. Here we go. If there was a single ounce, he writes on X, of ethics in the ethics committee, they would have not released this biased report. The committee went to extraordinary lengths to smear myself 
huh? And my legal team about me not being forthcoming. My legal bills suggest otherwise. Doesn't even make sense. Is a disgusting politicized smear that shows the depths of how low our federal government has sunk. I think you show how low our federal government has sunk. Everyone who participated in this grave miscarriage of justice should all be ashamed of themselves. We the people desperately need an Article 5 Constitutional Convention. What is he talking about? Go away. We're quickly approaching $34 trillion in debt. The government is continuously on the verge of a shutdown. Because of you, you goof, our southern border is wide open. Our current president is the head of an influence-peddling crime family. Not true. And all this Congress wants to do is attack their political enemies with tit-for-tat unconstitutional censures, impeachments, expulsions, and ethics investigations. This time, nope, that's not what he said. The time is now for the states to rise up and commence an Article 5 constitutional convention. I've come to expect vitriol like this, frankly. He didn't say frankly. From political opposition, but not from the hallowed halls of public service. I'll remain steadfast in fighting for my rights and for defending my name in the face of adversity. I am humbled yet again and reminded that I'm human and I have flaws. Yeah, more than most humans, I gotta tell you, George. But I'll not stand by as I'm stoned because I'm the big victim by those who have flaws themselves. I will continue on my mission to serve my constituents up until I am allowed. And this is the good part. I will, however, not be seeking re-election for a second term in 2024, as my family deserves better than an embarrassment like me. No, better than to be under the gun from the press all the time. Public service life was never a goal or a dream, but I stepped up to the occasion. We wish that you had it. When I felt my country needed it most, I will 100% continue to maintain my commitment to lying all the time. I mean, to my conservative values in my remaining time in Congress. So very exciting that he won't be running for re-election, which means even if he's not expelled, at least we won't be dealing with him in 2025. And he was promising before this report came out to run for re-election. Now he's saying he won't. So at least the report moved the needle on that. As far as the other details from this report, the Daily Beast reports, it summarized a dizzying array of findings, stating he blatantly stole from his campaign, deceived donors, and attempted to cover it up uh, covered all up through a constant series of lies to his constituents, donors, and staff about his background and experience. Santos' purported backstory, which he touted during his 2022 campaign, included being the grandson of Holocaust survivors, an educational history at Baruch College and New York University, work experience at Citigroup and Goldman Sachs, and a mother who died from health impacts due to the September 11th terrorist attacks. The report offers a blunt assessment of the claims, quote, no part of that backstory has been found to be true. And it goes on and on. Now, to the big question, is he going to be expelled? That's what we're all asking. Well, the report doesn't call for expulsion, but we're seeing a shift in favor of it now that the report has come out. The chairman of the committee, for example, Michael Guest, said he will file a motion to expel Santos after the Thanksgiving break. And it seems like a lot of people on both sides are coming out in support of the effort. I think... A lot of people, especially in the Republican Party, wanted to wait for the report to come out so they can point to it and say, that's why I'm expelling George Santos. And my prediction would be this time it's going to work. On that note, though, the last time a resolution got brought forward to expel George Santos, New York Republican Anthony D'Espacito delivered these remarks in favor of the effort. Mr. Speaker, pursuant to Clause 2A1 of Rule 9, I rise to give notice of my intent to raise a question of the privileges of the House. The form of the resolution is as follows, House Resolution 773. 
providing for the expulsion of Representative George Santos from the House of Representatives. Whereas George Anthony DeVolder Santos, known as George Santos, was elected to represent New York's 3rd Congressional District in the House of Representatives on November 8, 2022. Whereas after Election Day it was revealed George Santos lied about a significant portion of his background, including his education and previous employment. Whereas George Santos has a long history of misrepresenting his and his family's connections to major events, including the Holocaust, September 11th terrorist attacks, and the Pulse nightclub shooting. Whereas on May 9th, 2023, George Santos was indicted on 13 counts of wire fraud, money laundering, stealing public funds, and lying on federal financial disclosure forms to the House of Representatives. Whereas a federal grand jury indicted an aide to George Santos's campaign on charges of wire fraud and identity theft for defrauding potential donors by impersonating Speaker Kevin McCarthy's former chief of staff. Whereas on October 5th, 2023, George Santos's former campaign treasurer pled guilty to falsifying campaign finance records, including lying about a $500,000 loan that George Santos claimed to have donated to the campaign himself. Whereas on October 10th, 2023, George Santos was federally charged with an additional 10 criminal counts. Whereas the additional charges were serious in nature, including conspiracy to commit offenses against the United States of America, wire fraud, aggravated identity theft, access device fraud, false statements to the Federal Election Commission, and falsifying records to obstruct the commission. Whereas the indictment outlined a vast amount of evidence against Santos, including conversations he held with his former campaign treasurer outlining plans to commit the fraud he is charged with. Whereas these charges indicate that George Santos engaged in a serious financial fraud throughout his 2022 campaign for the House of Representatives. Whereas George Santos stole over $44,000 from donors by charging their credit cards without authorization. Whereas George Santos directly profited from his fraudulent actions, including transferring money to his own bank account to buy luxury items and pay off debt. Whereas George Santos engaged in election fraud throughout his 2022 campaign by deceiving voters regarding his biography, defrauding donors, and engaging in other illegal campaign behavior. And whereas as a result of these actions, George Santos is not fit to serve his constituents as a United States representative. Now for there it be resolved that pursuant to Article 1, Section 5, Clause 2, of the Constitution of the United States of America, Representative George Santos be and hereby is expelled from the House of Representatives. And that's exactly correct. So again, after Thanksgiving, we'll see if George Santos is expelled, at least regardless of how that goes, we know we won't have to deal with Santos anymore after the 2024 election, which is wonderful. And the whole Santos saga may be coming to an end. Before you go, don't forget to become a member at LukeBeasleyShow.com slash membership to get access to the bonus show and support what we're doing here. That's Monday through Friday, a bonus show exclusively for our members at LukeBeasleyShow.com slash membership. Plus follow me on threads at LukeBeasleyOfficial, Instagram at LukeBeasleyOfficial, X at LukePBeasley, and sign up for the Beasley Brief, a daily morning newsletter that summarizes the previous day's events by going to LukeBeasleyShow.com slash brief. And I'll talk to you all next time.